Welcome back to Agent Investor, inspiring stories of active agents investing in real estate and building passive income. In a business where potential deals are all around you, why not leverage your skills to invest for yourself, your family, and your future? And now, let's jump into the latest episode of Agent Investor. Hey everybody, welcome back to Asian Investor. Asian Investor is the only brand that helps real estate agents get off the real estate roller coaster. And if you were like me in the beginning stages of my career and you were selling homes and your income was going up and down and up and down and you were always worried about the market, you were always worried about whether or not your friends and family were going to use you as a real estate agent in one month you'd feel really, really rich, and one month you'd feel really, really poor, Asian Investor is for you. We teach training, tools, strategies to help real estate agents get off the real estate roller coaster, to have guaranteed monthly income, to achieve financial freedom so that you can spend your time how you want, with who you want, and have the income coming in month after month, regardless of how many of your friends and family end up buying or selling real estate. Now, at Agent Investor, we don't advocate that you stop selling real estate. In fact, we believe that selling residential real estate is a great way to earn money. But we believe that you should supplement your income with investing, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Before we get into the topic for today, which, by the way, is going to be the reasons that I stopped just selling real estate and became an investor, I want to talk a little bit about our agent partnership program, which has really hit its stride in the last couple of months. At Agent Investor, we are the only program nationwide that actually partners with real estate agents on fix and flip deals. When an agent refers us a deal, a deal to flip, a deal to do a quick term flip where we buy it, we renovate it, and then we resell it, we actually split the profits 50-50 with the real estate agent that refers us the deal. In the last few months, our average profit per deal that we split down the middle with agents has been about $80,000, which means that just by keeping your eyes and your ears open for deals, we will split the profits with you. There's no money required on behalf of the referring agent. And we're doing this program because we have a goal of doing 50 partner deals in the next 12 months with agents who refer us. So might beg the question, um, as we're talking about achieving financial freedom, why is it so important to flip homes? I want to answer that really quickly because for most people, when they think about investing, and for me, when I first thought about investing, I always thought about owning assets, owning assets, whether it be a condo, whether it be a multifamily, whether it be an apartment building, whether it be a mobile home park, whether it be whatever, owning an asset and getting paid month after month. That's what investing is. But it begs the question for those of you who may not have enough money to go out and buy enough assets to get that monthly income, how do you get those down payments? Fixing and flipping homes was not something that I set out to do, yet me and my team have flipped over 1,200 homes because it is by far the quickest way to get big chunks of income in order to use for down payments on those assets they're going to pay you forever. So if you're thinking, hey, I want to get into the passive income game, 
I want to buy a cash flowing asset, but you don't yet have the down payment. All that you need to do is partner with us on a deal or two a year, and you will quickly get those down payments that you'll be able to use for those assets that are going to pay you month after month, year after year. So with that being said, we are able to do deals in all 50 states. And the very best way to reach out to me about deals that you have is to first friend request me and follow me on Facebook at Tommy Caffarella, T-O-M-M-Y space last name C-A-F-A-R-E-L-L-A and always reach out to me via Facebook Messenger. That is the easiest way to communicate with me. Happy to help you in any way through Facebook Messenger. Again, make sure that you you follow me on Facebook at Tommy Caffarella. And anytime that you have a deal, just bring it to me and send me a message. One last thing I want to say about the agent partnership deal is people always ask me questions. What types of deals do we buy? And I know this is a, a sometimes a challenging answer for most people, but don't worry about filtering the deals. All right. If you have a seller that's interested in thinking about considering a cash offer, wants the ease and convenience of a cash offer, don't worry about whether or not it's something that we might be interested in. Just reach out to me. Okay. So our goal is to do 50 of these a year, one a week uh, on average. Um, so please, you know, flood my Facebook Messenger inbox with deals. I uh, would love to work with you guys. And every deal that we do is another big chunk of income that you can use for these passive income assets. So topic for today, I want to talk about the reasons why I stopped selling real estate and became an investor, became an agent investor. And I want you to think as I'm kind of going through these reasons, if you can kind of relate. Now, this episode specifically um, again, I have to be very clear about this. When I talk about the reasons I stopped just selling real estate, I still sell real estate, but why did I stop just only selling real estate? It is in no way to say, hey, you shouldn't sell homes. It's in no way to say you should not be a real estate agent. You should be a real estate agent, but you should also invest. So we're going to talk about these reasons. The reasons that I have experienced over my last almost 20 years since getting my license. I got licensed in 2005, 19 years ago. And I remember when I did my first ever deal. And I remember the check that I got cut for $8,750. $8, and for somebody that grew up without a lot of financial means, with somebody who never really had more than $1,000 or $2,000 in their bank account, I'll never forget that feeling of getting my first commission check of $8,750. And I remember thinking in my head, because it was a pretty easy, a pretty smooth deal, I remember thinking in my head, how easy is this? How great is it to sell residential real estate? And that got me fired up to do more and more and more deals. But having said that, what I'm going to be talking about today is why, although the rush of doing a deal, the rush of doing a ton of deals, the benefit of selling real estate, um, in my opinion, is not enough. Like you've got to invest as well. So I want to talk about some things that have happened to me while selling real estate in the last 20 years. And again, as you're listening to this, I want to put in your head, have you had these things happen to you? Can you relate? And does it make sense for you to not just sell real estate, but also invest in real estate? So the first thing I want to talk about is finding out 
that a friend or family member bought a house through somebody else. And for those of you who have been doing this for a while, I'm sure you've had this happen to you, where you know you do your best, you work your SOI, your sphere of influence, you make sure that your friends and your family members know that you sell residential real estate. And then one day you go on social media or you talk to a friend and you hear that they bought a house. In fact, the story I like to tell really quickly is actually about a friend of mine who I was showing homes to for over six months, showing homes to for over six months. And I didn't know it at the time, but all of a sudden one day that friend stopped reaching out to me to see homes. And I didn't think much about it at the time. I thought they maybe had put their house hunting on hold. All of a sudden, I get an invite to the person's wedding. And I show up. I hadn't seen them in a few months. And they were talking and telling people about the house that they bought. And I remember having the conversation you know, with the friend. And I'm just going to tell you the honest truth about what happened. He said, hey, you know, we were having a hard time getting a house under contract. So my wife knew somebody else who was an agent, and she wanted to go with them, okay? Now, I'm not going to lie. Not only was it, you know, upsetting on a financial level, right? Because that was going to be another 8750 check or somewhere in that ballpark. But it also legitimately hurt my feelings because I knew, as all of you who are agents know, that in most cases, a buyer not getting an offer accepted, in most cases, doesn't have a lot to do with the agent, right? They were getting frustrated. They were having a hard time finding a house through no fault of my own. I did everything I could to help them find a house and they ended up using somebody else. In fact, they probably went through the majority of the home buying process with me, right? They learned how to find homes. They kind of knew, they, I helped them determine what they were looking for. And by the time that they had switched to using another agent, we were probably 80 to 90% of the way there. But, you know, for whatever reason, and it's not their fault. And a lot of these things, by the way, they're not the fault of the client. They're the fault of the process, right? You have a couple who is going to be getting married soon. They have an internal deadline to basically buy a home. They get frustrated and they say, hey, maybe it's the real estate agent's fault. So that's kind of my, you know, first, you know, little story. And again, just want to put put it out there. How would I have maybe felt a little bit differently if I had five or ten or fifteen thousand dollars per month coming in of passive income? Would that have felt a little bit different? And yes, the answer is it would. Number two, little story I want to talk about. These are the reasons why I said, you know what? I love selling real estate, but I'm not going to just sell real estate. I'm not going to just rely on the income from being a real estate agent in order to survive and thrive and feed my family. So the second story I want to talk about, I remember, again, this is in 2005 or 2006, I signed up for a company called Hungry Agents. I'm not even sure if they're around, but whether or not they're around or not, there are a lot of companies like this where you sign up. And you agree to work with the clients that they refer you and pay them a pretty hefty referral fee. And at the time, the referral fee that I was paying hungry agents was 50%. So if I earned that 8750 check, $8,750, dollars 
I was handing over a little bit more than $4,000 to hungry agents. Discounting your commission and you know using these referral sources are things that agents contemplate all the time. And some agents will say, hey, I'm worth more than that referral fee. I won't do it. And if you're like me at the time, I was just starving for business. I needed to do more deals. And I looked at it as an opportunity to be introduced to more people, build my referral network. And I think it was a good thing. Okay. Now, I remember when this was way before a lot of the companies that are out there like OpCity and Homelight and all these other referral companies were out there. But um, this is one of the only ones. And I was one of the only agents getting these referrals. And the agreement that I had with them was that I had to service all of Massachusetts. So I lived, for those of you unfamiliar with Massachusetts, I lived north of Boston. I would be getting leads south of Boston, which is not super convenient. And I remember this referral that I got to a client who wanted to buy a home in Randolph, Mass., which was about an hour from where I lived. And um, I started working with this, this husband and wife client that wanted to buy a house in Randolph, which was an hour from my house. Now, again, I'm sure that you can all kind of relate to this. Some clients want to see a house every once in a while. They're very selective over what they look at. And some other clients want to see kind of like every house that pops up. And there's, there's a big gap between the difference between one client and another. And this client was a client that wanted to kind of see like every house that popped up. And again, so I was traveling an hour each way to show them homes, which I was happy to do. Again, being in the kind of the beginning phase of building my business, I was more than willing to do it. And I remember doing it week after week after week after week for five months. And I remember thinking in my head like, hey, this is going to eventually pan out. I'm going to eventually show them a home that they love. Um, month after month after month went by, they still didn't make an offer. They weren't ready. They didn't find the house that they liked. And there was one weekend where I got an opportunity to work with a new client. And at the time, I said, well, I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket. Of course, if I get a new client to work with, I'd love the opportunity you know, to, to go out to work with a new client, client that was closer. And when, when, when this client, who was locating an hour for me, asked me to see houses one weekend, I said, hey, I'm not available this weekend. Can we book for the weekend after that? Yeah, they said, they said to me, they were kind of annoyed, but they said, sure, we can do it the next weekend. And I think you all know what I'm about to say next. But long story short is they ended up finding another agent because I couldn't see houses. I wasn't available one weekend. Now, as you hear this, again, if you're a new agent, maybe you haven't been through this before, but if you've been in the business for a while, this is something that happens, right? These are stories. These are real life examples where I was giving up my weekends every weekend, driving an hour to not get paid, right? So I was willing to give up half my commission, drive an hour. And because I wasn't available one weekend, they decided to use somebody else. Now, again, not every client is going to do this to you. I'm not, not saying that, but some will. And again, in reality, if I take a step back, and I really analyze the situation and I say, if I had five or 10 or 15 or $20,000 a month of passive income coming in, would I have even taken on a client that is an hour away, 
wanted to see houses every single weekend, and I had to give up half of my income. And again, the answer to that would be no. And it's not because they didn't end up buying a house or because they were bad people. It's because in general, that situation wouldn't have made sense for me if I had five or 10 or 15 or $20,000 of passive income coming in every month, right? We talked about partner deals in the beginning of this conversation. We talked about the fact that on average, we're cutting checks for $40,000 to agents, right? You do one of those deals a year, you can turn down the one or two or three clients that you know doesn't make sense for you. You can refer those out, right? What does investing do for you? It gives you leverage. It gives you time leverage. It gives you leverage in even your conversations, right? You can set boundaries. You can set rules. If you've, if you've been coached as a residential real estate agent, I'm sure you've had a coach tell you, hey, you need to set your boundaries. Hey, you need to tell your clients that you don't work Sundays or you don't work Friday nights or you don't work this time. But the reality is you can set all the boundaries in the world. But if you don't have enough income coming in, if you don't have guaranteed monthly income coming in, setting those boundaries is kind of hard. Like It's easy to say when you meet with a client that you know is going to be a tough client or a client that you know you shouldn't be working with or you're trying to sell a house too far away or whatever. It's easy to say, hey, reject that business, but it's harder when you don't have that monthly income coming in. All right, reason number three, why I decided to not just sell real estate and invest in real estate to build up passive income. Reason number three, example number three, I should say, real life example. When I first started in 2005, giving up my nights and weekends meant nothing to me. I was 23 years old uh, in 2005. I actually like showing homes on the weekends. I thought it was fun. I didn't mind when a client said, Hey, you know, do you want to see? I want to see a house on a Friday night, right? I was at the phase in my life where I said, That doesn't bother me whatsoever. Um, I was at the phase of my life where I was willing to work as many hours as my clients needed me. Didn't bother me at all. Fast forward a little bit to 2013 when I had my daughter, right? My daughter's born in 2013. And it hit me like probably a little bit after she was born that working nights and weekends all the time without any boundaries is not a great business, right? As self-employed real estate agents, we like to tell people that we're entrepreneurs. We like to say that we're business owners. But if you have to work and you have to jump, at the very moment that your client needs you, it doesn't matter what day of the week it is. It doesn't matter what time of the day it is. Are you actually self-employed? You actually have a business. Now, I guess you kind of technically do. But when we talk about owning a business, why are we owning a business? We're owning a business to improve our life. Otherwise, why not just work for somebody else? And when you kind of think about this, right? I know for me, like I worked in corporate America, it wasn't for me. I hated, you know, showing up at the same time every day, leaving at the same time every day, feeling like I was in prison. But having said that, at the same time, you go off on your own. You're a solo entrepreneur. And if you need to take every client that gets put in front of you, well, you do still have a boss, right? You still have a boss and you might actually have a tougher boss 
than if you worked a 40-hour week job. Again, as I'm saying this, I'll say this numerous times today, I'm absolutely not advocating you go out and get a job. I'm not saying to quit selling real estate. But what I am saying is have enough passive income coming in, do some partner deals with us so that you can set those boundaries, okay? All right, reason number four. Again, this is what happened to me. I'm not saying all of these things are gonna happen to you, but this was my experience selling real estate. Remember I told you guys that my first ever deal that I did, I earned that commission check, that $87.50 commission check was a ton of money to me. I didn't really know what I was doing my first year in terms of getting clients, but I had a really good year. I am not going to be able to guarantee, I'm not going to be able to guarantee to get this number right, but I think I sold somewhere between like nine and 11 houses my first year. Now, again, we're talking about somebody who never had more than probably a couple thousand dollars in their bank account. You multiply that 8750 by nine or 10 or 11 deals and you add them up. Oh, wow. I had a pretty good year. I mean, I was 23 years old. I was feeling pretty good about myself. Didn't know anything about the business. The sky is the limit. So, of course, what am I thinking in my head after doing my first year? Oh, I sold 9 or 10 or 11 this year. Next year, I'm going to do 20. Next year, I'm going to do 25. Next year, I'm going to do 18, whatever the number is. Thinking in my head that there is no way And in my second year of real estate, I'm going to do less. And what happened? I got a harsh reality of what can happen in residential sales, your second or any year in business, which is that in my first year of business, for whatever reason, a lot of my close friends bought properties. A lot of my close friends' parents sold properties. A lot of people in my sphere transacted in the year 2005 to 2006 for whatever reason. Next year that came up, 2006 to 2007, my sales went in half. Now, real estate sales might be one of the only businesses where you can actually be a lot better than you were the year before and still have a decrease in sales. I'm not saying to stop selling houses, but what I am saying is that your real estate business, how many houses you sell in a year, is not 100% controllable. It's not. And in fact, you know, as I'm recording this, this is February 2024, many successful real estate agents had their worst year in 2023. Why was that? Was that because they were worse agents? Absolutely not. No. In fact, a lot of great agents had their worst year simply because of the volume of transactions went down, right? We all know what happened in 2020, the end of 2022. Mortgage rates went from about 3% to about 7%. And that locked down a lot of transactions, right? So 2023 was a really bad year for a lot of real estate agents. In fact, I personally know a good number of really successful full-time real estate agents that went out and got jobs. They went out and got jobs because they could not afford to sell real estate anymore. Again, think about this, right, for a second. Let's say that you're a successful real estate agent, however you define that. Let's just call it 20 houses a year. For most real estate agents, selling 20 houses a year would be a good year. And most people who who would be told that somebody sold 20 houses, they would say, hey, they're fairly successful. If you go from selling 20 houses a year to 10, 
because of market conditions, because your SOI, your sphere of influence just isn't as active that year, right? For some people, that's going to be a nail in the coffin, right? You may need 20 houses to, to survive. You may need 20 sales in order to pay your bills. Now, what happens when you go to 10? Well, if your sales drop in half and you need 20 in order to survive, you may be forced to go out and get a job. Now, compare that again to somebody who invests, somebody who partnered with us and did two fix and flip deals that year, right? We paid them out two $40,000 checks. They got $80,000 in commissions from flips, or they own some passive income real estate and they had five or six or seven or $8,000 a month passively coming in. That agent can weather the storm of the ups and downs of residential real estate. Remember in the beginning, I always say like agent investors mission is to get agents off the real estate roller coaster. Now, no agent that sold 20 houses is going to be super happy that they sold 10 the next year, but an agent investor can survive that. Whereas somebody who is 100% reliant on sales might have to. It's like anything with investing, right? What are we told when we're investing? In the stock market, we're told to diversify. Why? Because you never know what can happen in one industry, in one year, with one company, with one CEO. We are told, no matter almost what financial advisor we talk to, that we shouldn't have all of our money in one company. Yet, when we're talking about our own businesses, many of us have the only income stream that we have be residential real estate sales, which by the way, as I've already illustrated with countless examples, is not controllable. The fact that my one of my close friends who invited me to their wedding used another agent because their wife thought that maybe I was the problem. It wasn't my fault. I couldn't control that. It just happened. It wasn't her fault. It wasn't my friend's wife's fault that she thought that. She truly thought that. She wanted to buy a house. She thought that for whatever reason, maybe I was doing something wrong. Uh, maybe she would have more success using somebody else. It's not her fault. And most of these things, all of these things that I'm talking about, they aren't problems with clients. They're problems with how money is made on the residential real estate side. Okay. So we talked about um, my, my sales dropping my second year. The other reason, another reason why I stopped selling real estate and became an investor and did both, became an agent investor, is because I was truthfully sick of my income going up and down every month. Now, I talked about this a couple times already, the real estate roller coaster. And again, I know everybody who sells real estate will relate to this, but you have months selling real estate where you close a ton of transactions. You might close eight transactions in a month. When you close those eight transactions, you feel rich. You literally do. I mean, you can get checks. You can earn fifty or sixty or seventy thousand dollars in a month, but then you can also go two or three or four months without getting your next check. Mentally, that's draining, right? When we get in a rut where we're not selling homes in a month, you know, one month may be okay. Two months, you start to get nervous. Three months, you're like, "What am I doing wrong?" Four months, you're like, how do I get a part-time job? It's just what happens. Again, that real estate roller coaster doesn't exist when you have passive income. It doesn't exist when you do agent partner deals with us and you get big chunks of income coming in from those flips. 
sixth reason, I want to give two more, two more, two more things that happened to me, a reason why I'm an agent investor and not just an agent. Um, for me, another reason was I knew the clients I should fire or not work with, yet I never, ever did it. I never fired them because I needed the money. And it didn't matter. And I'm thinking of examples where, and um, I'm thinking of examples where clients were looking for properties super far away. I'm thinking of clients that wanted $200,000 more than their property was worth. And no matter what I said to them, no matter what comps I showed them, they still wanted $200,000 more. I'm thinking about clients who were, I hate to throw this kind of term around, uh, but somewhat abusive. And we all know, we've all dealt with a client like this in the past where they think because you're their agent, they own you. Why? I don't know. I mean, it is not a nice human thing to do, but we've all had this happen. We've all had people who think, I'm the client, I'm your boss, I'm going to tell you what to do, you're going to shut up and do it, you're going to like it, and you're going to be polite to me, even though I'm not going to be polite to you, and if you don't like it, I'll find somebody else. And the list can go on and on and on. As agents and as humans, we know that the clients we shouldn't take on, we know the clients we should fire. But are you in a financial position to do it? Yes, you are if you're going to partner with us on deals. Yes, you are if you own assets that are throwing off money every single month. And the last example I want to give happened to me, but not only happened to me. Listen, I've got a real estate brokerage. We crossed 400 agents uh, at the end of 2023. And I'm going to tell you a story about me, but a story that I see over and over and over again. Where in a lot of cases, when you become a successful agent, and again, you can define that however you want, but once you've achieved a certain level of success as an agent, the idea gets in your head and it's a good idea. The idea is what's next? What's next for me to elevate? And in many cases in the residential field, in the residential real estate sales field, that elevation for a lot of people in their mind, whether it's right or wrong, in many cases, is to build a team, okay? I want to give you my experience with countless people that have built teams in my company, countless people that have built teams in other companies, and again, my observation. And I'm not knocking building a team. I think that building a team the right way is great. Having said that, in my experience, nine out of 10 successful agents that build teams wish that they had it one year later. And it's a cycle. And, and uh, again, I am not anti-team, but I want to give you my experience coaching so many agents that were building teams and seeing what the results are. In many cases, the initial thought is, I'm going to build this team. I'm going to have agents underneath me. I'm going to earn income passively in some ways from the agents that are on my team. And the more agents I have on my team, the more money I'm going to make. Maybe I could step out of selling at some point, et cetera. That's the thought. It's not a bad thought. But in reality, 9 out of 10 or even probably more than 90% of the agents that I see building teams end up disbanding their team less than a year later. And I'm going to tell you why. It's the model. And again, like I said, 
I'm not anti-selling houses, but you have to understand the pros and cons of selling real estate, just like you have to understand the pros and cons of building a team. And in most cases, nine out of 10 cases, when you start, either one of two things happens. Brand new agent, they're usually newer agents, right? Because those are the type of people that, that want to go on teams. They want to be connected with another successful agent. So they go on a team and they say, hey, if I could be on Tom's team, he's going to impart his knowledge to me. I'm going to get individual access to him. And therefore, my business is going to grow. Makes a lot of sense for the newer agent. But let me tell you what happens to the team leader. Either one of two things typically happens. Either that newer agent, for whatever reason, doesn't start producing. And there can be a million different reasons why an agent may not sell homes and may not produce. When a team leader who's selling 20 or 30 plus houses a year takes on a new agent, the amount of resources that need to go into that new agent are astronomical, right? So you're spending time, you're spending money, you're spending, you know, you're, you're putting aside your own clients sometimes. And then six months later, they still haven't sold the house and they tell you, Hey, Tom, it was awesome being a part of your team. I learned a ton, but I haven't done a deal. So I need to go back and get a job. I wish it wasn't this way, but it is what it is. And in that case, the, the team leader then looks back on that experience and says, man, can't believe it. You know, I had this vision in my head building this team. I know how to sell houses. I'm going to teach this person how to sell houses. They're going to produce and it's going to be a win-win. And it ends up benefiting really nobody. You know, it, maybe it benefited the newer agent that never sold the house because they then realized that the industry wasn't for them. But it certainly didn't benefit the team leader. Now, the other thing that happens when people build teams is the opposite. So the team leader, they bring somebody onto their team. They start selling houses. In the beginning, the team leader is like, man, this is awesome. You know, let me get three or four more people like this. Maybe I can step out of sales someday. Then all of a sudden, the person who's producing starts looking at their check. The new agent starts looking at their check and they start looking and they say, oh man, I'm giving up 30% to this team leader. They don't even, they don't even answer my calls every single time I call. The last time I texted them, it took them an hour to get back to me. I don't even need to be on a team anymore. I'm doing all the deals. I'm doing all the work. And then they reach out to the team leader. Hey, sorry, Mr. or Mrs. Team Leader. It was awesome being on your team. I feel like I'm ready to be on my own right now. And then they go on their own. Now, in that scenario, the team leader is like, oh man, like this is, they feel hurt. They feel more hurt because they're like, I just got that person going. They just started producing. I just started making money. And then they're gone. They're out. This is the same exact reason why with my brokerage, we do compensate agents to bring us people underneath us. Like we do have, we we do have um, a profit profit tree, where if somebody refers an agent into our company, they also make money. I believe in that. I believe that they should get rewarded for helping us. But it's why I'm very anti agents spending a lot of time on recruiting, because in reality, in 2024, agent the agent lifespan is not super long, right? So you don't want to spend a lot of time recruiting and building a team for it then to dismantle. Again, we're getting back to a couple of principles here 
that I've hit on a couple of times. What you want is a business, a business that helps you, a business that works for you. When you own passive income assets, they can't just get sold without your permission, right? And most of the time, you're only going to sell them if you get this huge benefit. If you're getting, if you're owning, you know, ten doors, twenty doors, and it's throwing off five or ten or fifteen thousand dollars a month of passive income, the only way you're selling those is if you're going to get such a big chunk of income coming in from the sale, right? I mentioned again, you know, all of the reasons why. I really started, you know, looking and saying, I can't just rely on sales. I need, I need to not just have sales be my income. Sales can be part of my income, but my goal at some point was to have my investing income exceed my sales income. Well, then I could step back and not sell anymore. Now, flash forward, right? 20 years later, 19 years later. I have a brokerage. I have a brokerage with 400 agents in it. And I am not personally actively selling anymore. Now, my sales business, because I own a brokerage, still makes me money. But the income from my assets, the income from my investing that I do, the flipping, the building apartments, the owning assets, far exceeds my brokerage income to, to the point where I could you know, quit transacting. I don't have to run a brokerage if I don't want to. Right, I wouldn't give it up because I love it, but I don't have to, and that's really the whole premise of agent investor. If I had to, you know, say it in a nutshell, it's to get you to the point where you're financially free enough to say, I could stop selling real estate if I wanted to, but I'm not going to because I like it. But I am going to be more selective about the clients that I take on. Maybe I'll build a team and refer some of some of the business that I don't want or don't want to work. Maybe I'll have a team and I'll just refer everything. There are so many different ways that, that this can be done. But again, it's getting yourself into that position, you know, because at the end of the day, when named a couple times that we've got a brokerage with over 400 agents in it, when new agents come into our brokerage, brand new agents that just got licensed, you know, what they say to us a hundred, you know, 10 out of 10 times is that they got into real estate sales to be free. Right? They want freedom. They want flexibility right? to get away from that nine to five job. And what we find in reality as agents is that we don't have freedom. We don't have the flexibility right? that we thought we were going to get when we signed up to be an agent. Yeah, you might have freedom and flexibility when you're first starting because you're not having any clients yet. But once you start to get busy, you realize, geez, this is good. I'm making good money. I'm having fun, but it's not what I signed up for. So, you know, I know I've said this, you know, a million times throughout the course of this episode, but at the end of the day, there's a reason why we have the saying that real estate sales will make you a living and investing will make you wealthy. And true wealth is working where you want, when you want, for who you want. And that's what we're trying to achieve through Agent Investor. For those of you who are wondering how you do that, well, you're already in the right place. You're listening to uh, either a live stream or a podcast right now. A couple things that I would recommend doing. First and foremost, listen to as many of the podcast episodes as you can. You can listen to any of our podcast episodes at www.agentinvestorpodcast.com. The more you learn, the more you're going to earn. And every single episode that we create has a reason for it. 
There is no reason why somebody can't listen to a podcast in this day and age, right? You can put the podcast in while you drive. You can put the podcast in while you're at the gym. You can put the podcast in while you're cleaning, you know, cleaning your dishes, while you're cleaning your house. Everybody has at least 45 minutes a day to listen to a podcast. In order to really achieve success as an investor, you need to get educated. You need to build those foundational blocks, and you'll get those by listening to the podcast. Second thing I would do is come to as many of our in-person events as possible. There is a difference between listening to a podcast and coming to an in-person event for a number of reasons. One of the most obvious is that you actually get to make connections with other people who are doing what you want to do. They say that you're the average of the five people you spend the most amount of time with. It's not really just a saying, it's a fact, right? I can tell you from personal experience that growing up in a community where not a lot of people had a lot of financial success, it's easy to get wrapped up in negative mindsets. It's easy to get wrapped up. I remember when I first started, one of my friends, a close friend, said I would never make it in business. And they weren't even they weren't even saying that to be mean. They just truly believed it. They didn't believe that success was even possible. Right? So you've got to get around other people that are doing what you want to do. You need to get around mentors that can help you. Right? There's a reason why we created the inner circle. And we created ways to get into the inner circle that are completely free. If you want to learn more, if you really want to get around us and you want to get 24-7, 365 access to me, if you think I can help you, sign up for an inner circle call at www.agentinvestorinnercircle.com. You jump on that call. We'll talk about your investing goals, where you're at today, and we'll come up with a plan on how you can get from point A to point B. A lot of people are scared of jumping on those calls because they think I'm going to sell them something, which, hey, I want to work with as many people as I possibly can. But having said that, that call is going to be a consultation. It's not a consultation for me to pitch you on why you should be working with me. It's, hey, we're on a call. Let's answer all of your investing questions. Let's put together a plan so that if this is the last time we talk, at least you have a plan. Now, for some of you, you're going to want to take the next step. If you do, you do. If you don't, you don't. But like I mentioned a few minutes ago, there are completely free ways to get into the inner circle. But I would encourage you to jump on that call. You're going to get value out of that call. It's probably going to be the, the best you know, 30 to 40 minutes that you can spend. Because again, it's great to listen to the podcast. It's great to come to in-person events. But where I personally can help you is talking about your situation, where you are at today, what you are struggling with, with what you are trying to achieve. People always ask me things like, what's the best investing strategy? Or what's the best asset to invest in? Or what's the best investor lead generation source? And there is no blanket answer for this stuff. It's hard to answer because I can't go into the individual person's situation. And I can tell you, that there are many different ways to become wealthy through investing in real estate. There's many different ways to become financially free through investing in real estate. And everyone's plan is a little bit different. There are a lot of similarities, but there's definitely differences based on personality and where you're at. So again, I would encourage you to schedule a call at www.agentinvestorinnercircle. Well, having said that, guys, you guys know where I stand on investing. We're on a mission here. 
you know, to, to help as many agents achieve financial freedom as possible through investing in real estate. I have a personal mission of doing 50 plus deals this year, partnership deals with agents. If you think that you have a deal, if you want to talk about what that looks like, again, add me on Facebook, Tommy, T-O-M-M-Y, Caffarella. Don't add Tom Caffarella. That is another account I have, but it's not one I check. Okay, so Tommy Caffarella and send me a Facebook message. Easiest way to get in contact with me. Happy to help you guys any way that I can. And I hope to see more of you at the in-person events that we host. I hope to see some of you on one of those calls. And I hope to talk to you guys on Facebook Messenger. Don't be a stranger. I love doing this stuff. I love helping people. And I'm very good at creating win-win situations. So we're going to figure out a way to win together. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. And we'll be back uh, next week with another episode. Thanks again for listening to the Agent Investor Podcast. And especially thank you for sharing the show with other agents and reviewing the show on iTunes. Every time you share the show and leave a review, you are potentially changing someone's life. To get free weekly education, strategies, and to connect with other agent investors across the country, join our free Facebook group at agentinvestor.com. Again, that's agentinvestor.com.